0: Welcome to another episode of The Gospelpreneur, where we explore Bible secrets to prospering in wealth, health, relationships, and faith. Your host, Brother Andre, digs deeply into Biblical science and practical applications while encouraging growth in all areas of our lives. So if you're ready to grow, let's enjoy this journey to Biblical abundance. Here's Brother Andre. Very good. Again, happy Sabbath, everyone. Welcome to our study tonight. Uh, you're part of a series called Learning to Love God. This is a series that came to my mind as I began to observe, especially in the online sphere and watching the politics come into the church and watching people arguing about everything. I realized that the at the end of the day, even if we're preparing to see Jesus, if we don't know how to engage and love each other, there's no way possible that the gospel the call of the gospel the teaching of the gospel can be fulfilled in the experience of god's people so it has pushed me to delve deeply in how to have this deep relationship with god now my friends i'm not in any way shape or form going to say to you i have the perfect deep relationship with god because that's not true i'm still learning just like you are still learning we're all learning to walk with god and as I'm studying and I pray that you study, and if you find something that's beneficial, feel free to shoot me an email, give me a call, hit me up on direct message. I'm happy to share and grow together, uh, together, not, I'm not above you. Trust me when I tell you I'm in this walk, in this fight with you. And I, I encourage you to encourage each other and to encourage, if you could encourage me, I appreciate that as well. And so let's start with a word of prayer. And then we're going to dig deep and allow the word of god to speak to our hearts father in heaven we want to thank you for your love and mercy we want to thank you father for not giving us what we deserve but giving us what your dear son does and lord as we are about to talk about you and to open inspiration and to allow your spirit in our presence in our hearts we pray lord that you will show us whatever it is in our experience that is keeping us separate from you. Lord, this world is full of ups and downs, trials and tribulations, and we want to, with all of our hearts, serve you, Lord. Please help us. We pray this in the name of Jesus, knowing that you can do abundantly above whatever we ask for, thank in Jesus' name, amen. Amen. All right, my friends, we are about to study and I'm going to share my screen with you. And if you cannot hear me, please let me know. If you're on Facebook and you can't hear me, you gotta let me know too, because I wouldn't I wouldn't know. Hold on. Oops, when I say share my screen, here we go. Is it sharing? Alright, can you guys see my PowerPoint? If you can just type in the chat, you can see it. Yes, perfect. Perfect, perfect, perfect. All right. I'm glad you can see it. Um, We're going to delve deeply in our study. I hope you have your Bibles open mind. The Spirit of God is here with us. Oh, Sister Joan. Hello, Sister Joan. You're on Facebook there. Welcome. Hello, hello. All right. So we're going to go ahead and study and delve deeply into the Word of God. So first things first, the title of our topic this evening is lesson three turning towards god turning towards god you can be right with god so tonight my friends i want to make sure that when we walk away from our study tonight that we can be knowingly right with god when we are done with this study okay i don't want to we don't have to wait 10 days 20 years we ain't got to go on a special fast per se but tonight when we're done We want to know that we are right with God. And there are processes. There are things that we can understand as we do that. So the question is, can a man or woman be right with God? How can a man or woman be just with God? How can a sinner be made righteous? Now, I don't know about you, but I know for me, I am a sinner in need of Jesus. Like there is absolutely nothing good inside of me that will commend god to say hey you know andre that guy down there he's doing all those bible studies you should let him into heaven my friends there's nothing that i can do that commends me to god and therefore there must be something greater than so how can a man be just with god how can a sinner be made righteous not just on a book declared righteous but how can he be made righteous and how are we to come to christ these are questions that we're going to answer tonight we're going to answer by god's grace tonight you have your bible open to the book of acts i am probably not even saying that word right the book of acts acts (laughs) the book of acts chapter two and we're looking at verse number 37 acts chapter 2 and verse 37 the bible says now when they heard this they were pricked in their heart and said unto peter and to the rest of the apostles men and brethren what shall we do now the context of this is this is during the outpouring of the early rain the spirit of god is being poured out amongst the people and the people are asking what shall we do they're feeling convicted they're seeing the power of god what shall we do and the answer comes back then peter said unto them repent and be baptized every one of you in the name of jesus christ for the remission of sins and ye shall receive the gift of the holy ghost so here is the idea what shall I do if I'm in a wayward way? What shall I do if I know that I'm a sinner? What shall I do to be made right with God? The answer comes back resoundingly: repent. Acts chapter three, verse nineteen. Look at what the Bible says in Acts chapter three, in verse nineteen. The Bible says, "Repent, ye therefore, and be converted." That's interesting. Repent and be converted, that your sins may be blotted out when the times of refreshing shall come from the presence of the Lord. Now you would think that's easy, right? So the idea that if I'm a sinner, all I need to do is repent. The question is, what is repentance? How does it work? Am I truly in a repentant state? So here's the repentance equation. I want you to write this down. This is the repentance equation. This equation If you're missing one piece of this equation, you are not in the state of repentance, okay? If you're missing one piece of this equation, you are not in the state of repentance. So, sorrow for sin. And we're gonna get into that, what that means. Sorrow for sin and turning away from it. So there's sorrow for sin and there's a turning away from it. If you don't have these two components, then you're not repentant. a lot of people think because they're sorry for something that's transpired in their experience that they've repented. Repentance is, again, the equation is, sorrow for sin plus turning away from it equals repentance. So we must turn away from sin in our heart and see the sinfulness of sin. Now this is the tricky part. This is the part that for me and what I've observed with humanity, generally speaking, we don't understand the sinfulness of sin. And the reality is we won't understand the sinfulness of sin until the scales are removed from our eyes, okay? So let's work this a little bit further. So we must turn away from sin in our heart, not just in our action. Now, I'm going to give you these four stories. We're going to look at these four stories. And in these stories, you're going to find a difference between someone being sorry for the results of sin and someone being sorry for the sin itself. Okay? there's a sorrow that is sorry for the results of sin. Take, for instance, the story of Esau everybody knows that story of esau he's down here and he's getting his birthright taken away from him by his sly brother jacob then <laughs> jacob's like yo i want that birthright i i think it belongs to me and i can do great things with it esau is just a rugged character so he tricks his brother because his brother's so hungry and esau ends up selling his birthright to his brother the bible says that Esau despised his birthright. Look at the story. Esau despises his birthright. And when Esau despises his birthright, that's when he sold it for a pot of lentils. Lentils are good. I mean, I, I think lentils are great. One of the best ever, but I don't think it's worth your birthright. Okay? But he sells his birthright for lentils. Then later, Jacob deceives his brother again with the help of his mother and loses the birthright a second time. And the second time he loses his birthright, he didn't even care about the birthright, my friends. He was just upset that his brother bamboozled him and took from him what he really didn't like in the first place. Are you following what I'm saying? So he wasn't sorry that he didn't get the birthright per se. He was upset at the way it was taken from him. Consider Balaam. And my uh, it says balaam angel with sword now wit which is not the, the word i was looking for it should say angel with sword drawn now everybody knows the story of balaam now balaam is questioning whether or not he should uh, uh go and curse israel because they have offered him some filthy lucre and he's ready to sell them out he said i gotta go talk to god about it first <laughs> so he goes and talks to god about it god tells him no Then he goes back to talk to God about it again, and then God says to him, uh, well, if they're there in the morning, you can go with them. Clearly, they they weren't there ready for him in the morning. They were actually on their way, and he went and caught up with them and went with them. So he disobeyed the instruction. And as he's going along the way, think about this story, friends. This story always fascinates me, no matter what context I tell the story. But as he's on the way to curse God's people what does he do that donkey starts acting up he starts beating the donkey a donkey starts acting up goes rust against the wall he starts beating the donkey The donkey falls underneath him and he begins to beat the donkey and the donkey talks back now let me tell you friends if your donkey starts talking back to you or your dog starts talking back to you or your goldfish there's a problem (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> and and Esau was, I mean, not Esau, Balaam was so upset about this situation that he doesn't even recognize that the animal itself is speaking to him. And he begins to converse back with the creature. Are, are, you, are you following? And the angel, watch this now, the donkey begins to speak. Now the eyes are open. The angel is there with a drawn sword. And if the donkey had not fallen down, Balaam would have lost his life. Think about it. So in that moment, what does Balaam do? He corrects corrects his behavior. Pay attention. He corrects his behavior, understanding that there was a consequence to it. But even after he did what God told him now to do, that God put a word in his mouth and he blessed Israel, even after he did all of that, he still went back to sin. Now, that, that tells me something. That tells me something. Behavior modified does not indicate that the heart has been reformed. Are you following? Behavior modification is not an indication that the heart has been reformed. Now, if you function simply by, you know, you behave a certain way because the group behaves this way. You behave a certain way because the church teaches this this way you behave a certain way because you don't want to be embarrassed in society that is not an indication of repentance in fact you're still in danger does that make sense so what we're looking for whether it's esau lamenting his birthright even though he didn't want the birthright he's only upset because it was stolen from him or it's balaam correcting his behavior because he's afraid he's correcting his behavior because he's afraid to be uh what's the word I'm looking for he's he's afraid uh, uh to be struck down but still in his heart he's still holding on to the the darkness that's within we have to be careful i want you as we're going through this my friends i want you to begin to de- to decipher uh, between whether or not you're being good for the sake of the community or are you being good because you love what is good and you love what is righteous and you love what God has put in your experience because if it is not true repentance, I promise you, you will go back and eat donkey's food. You will go back and eat from the pigs trough. You will go back to the world because you have never truly given yourself over to god making a reformation within this is a dangerous state to be in i'll give you another example here it is judas iscariot you know judas iscariot judas iscariot the the uh, uh desire age says that judas loved jesus i thought that was an interesting phraseology judas loved jesus he he enjoyed being around jesus he saw how jesus navigated and and dealt with people However, Judas loves something more than Jesus. And to me, my friends, that's a dangerous position to be in. Because don't don't we all love Jesus, the stories of Jesus, how Jesus talked and walked and how he, he healed the leper and how he dealt with demoniacs and how he raised the dead. Don't we all love those stories about Jesus? And yes, we all do but it's not simply loving jesus it's do you love jesus more than anything else and the question the answer is for the most part for the most part if we're honest the answer is we don't and that's okay you say brother andrew what do you mean that's okay you see if we acknowledge that we don't love jesus the way we should then it gives us the opportunity for God to do something supernatural in us that we would not be able to do. And we would not simply cover it up with good behavior or a stopping of bad behavior. Neither one are an indication of repentance. Repentance is the changing of the heart and turning away from sin. Turning away from it in the heart and in action, not just in action. Are you following? I hope you're following. Judas Iscariot loved Jesus, but he loved something more than Jesus, and he betrayed the one that he said he loved. Listen, if you don't know the Lord, you will betray the people you love, one way or the other. Though you may profess all types of sincerity and intentionality, if your heart has not been rendered to the master, you will betray the ones that you love. I will betray the ones that I love. That's why it's so strange when you read about the last days and they come down to the last days and it says, fathers will turn against the children and children against the parents, well, why? Why would church member turn in church member? What's happened? There was a form of religiosity, a cultural religion, but there was no heart transformation and therefore darkness calls and we go to darkness. That's right, <laughs> that's right. Some folks leave the, wanna leave the city but have the city in their hearts. Hmm? It is a challenge for us, my friends, to have true conversion. And the reason why it's a challenge because Christ is not everything to us. He must become everything to us because everything else will come and go family will be there and then family won't be there money will be there and money won't be there job will be there and it won't it comes and it goes the anchor in all these things is christ jesus he's the only one that can give you peace he's the only one that can change us from the inside out and i tell you the truth my friends So many of us have gotten into the norm of religious activity that we have lost sight of the Savior himself. And that's my job right now. My job, my job to you is to encourage you to find him. One more character. And all these persons that I'm sharing with you had a sorrow for the results of sin and not for sin itself. Remember Pharaoh? Pharaoh has his firstborn child and many times as the other plagues were coming he would he would acquiesce and say you can go and then change his mind and say you can't go and then finally that last one the firstborn being killed he lets israel go he's sorrowful he's upset he's not upset that he he sinned he's upset at the results of what the sin was think about it Think about the last time you did something that you knew you weren't supposed to do. And you're lamenting, you know, like you're lamenting, oh, this, oh, I, you know, I, I shouldn't have ate this or I shouldn't have watched that. And you're sorry that you did it, but you're not sorry because of it. You know, like you still enjoy it. You, You understand what I'm saying? Like, you're not sorry because you did it. You're sorry because of the impact that it had. Or if I, oh, oh, I, I. I got caught cheating on the test. You're not upset that you cheated. Now, if you got away with it, you'd be like, whew. You're not not upset that you stole. You're, You're upset that you got caught stealing and it made people unhappy in the church or it made people look at you different or your reputation was hurt. You're not upset that you did the wrong thing. You're upset at the results of the thing that happened. There's a difference between sorrow for the results of sin and sorrow for sin itself. It's almost like someone saying this. And this is this is this is a point in which I would challenge you as a believer. How many of you want to go to heaven? How many, how many on this chat line? How many in this group want to go to heaven? Let me see your hand. And there's nothing wrong with it. If you want to go to heaven, tell raise your hand. Right? Raise your hand, right? Right. You want to go to heaven everybody wants to go to heaven 100 percent, you want to go to heaven if i said hey you want to go to hell you're gonna be like no i don't want to go to hell i don't want to burn forever that's not something i want to be a part of right so i don't want to go to hell and i want to go to heaven but do you know that the motivation for not going to hell and the motivation for going to heaven are not going to do anything for you I want you to to hear what I'm saying, because I don't want you to take it out of context. What I'm saying is, if your motivation is, I just want to go to heaven so I can be at peace, then I say, you must know a person in order to have peace to enjoy heaven. Are you following what I'm saying? You can't bypass Jesus and get to heaven. And you can't, in in your mind, the 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 negativity that comes from going to hell like i don't want to go to hell so i'm going to eat right that's not going to do you good neither there there's this there's this precision in our relationship where christ literally is everything to us he must become the motivation and i'm saying that to you because it's a truth now i can't force you you know like christ is not going to force you you know he gives you warnings like hey You know what if you do this this is what the result of that's going to be i'm not going to force you i'm not trying to scare you but i'm just letting you know the the reality that without me there's really no life guess what i'm actually a kind god i'm actually a loving god i'm actually a merciful god i'm actually once i have the best your best interest in mind that's what he's saying that's what he's doing that's what he's that's why he's trying to reach out to us my friends But don't make heaven your motivation and don't make hell your motivation. Make the person of Christ your motivation because then Christ does something inside that changes us from the inside out. You can't do it any other way. If you are simply doing right to make someone happy, you will stop doing right. If you are simply conforming, because this is what the church teaches, you will soon cease to do right. Rightness or righteousness comes from above. It comes from a person that that is supernatural in his being. And he's saying, come unto me, all you that labor and heavy laden, and I will give you rest. I will give it to you. You can't have it of yourself because you don't have it in yourself to have but i hope you see the difference there's a sorrow for the results of sin and there's a sorrow for sin itself the 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 pain and suffering and you say you know what i don't like this pain and suffering if separation from god causes this i don't like this if this brings pain to my family i don't want this in my family i don't want this in my home sin causes death in the shore. i don't want that in my life but some of us like i said before if we never get caught we'll never be sorry hmm. at some level my friends our relationship must be deeper and more profound this is why The Bible says in John 1 9, where it says, That was the true light, which lighteth every man that cometh into the world. Now there's a reason why there is one that lights every man that comes into the world. The reason why is because if we in our natural selves seek righteousness and truth of our natural selves, we'll never find it. In fact, we would never know that we weren't in it because we were we are so self-deceived that we would walk around thinking we're all right when we're all wrong. We'll walk around naked when we think we're clothed. You follow what I'm saying? So Christ comes into the world and Christ is the one that with his beauty, painfully it reveals. And I say painfully because it's painful. Painfully reveals our inconsistency. Painfully reveals our weakness. Painfully reveals our selfishness painfully reveals it it's painful because we think we're right when we're not right we think we're together and we're not together we think we're rolling well when we're not rolling well and when he presents himself it's like whoa whoa, whoa wait 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 Now, remember, we asked the question, how can a man cleanse his way? How can a man be righteous? The answer came back, he must repent. But what is repentance? It's an equation of two things. There is a sorrow for sin and a turning away from it. There must be a combination of both in order for it to equal repentance. We looked at several stories indicating these persons who were sorry for the results of what they did, but they were not sorry for sin itself, and they did not turn away from their evil ways, and now Jesus must come. He must be the light. He must show us the reality. Steps to Christ, page 25, paragraph one says this, blessed is, actually, this is Psalms 32, uh, verses one and two. It says, blessed is he whose transgression is forgiven, whose sin is covered, blessed is the man unto whom the Lord imputeth not iniquity, and in whose spirit there is no guile. Powerful. I'll read it again. I I want you to meditate on this. I want you to take this as a word from God himself, because this is the word of God. This is not me. This is his word. Watch the words itself. Blessed is he whose transgression is forgiven. I want you to think. Pause. I need you to think. I need you to meditate, my friends. I need you to think. I don't want you to think about everybody else, okay? I need you to think about you and your heart, you and your soul. Blessed is the man whose transgression is forgiven. Tell me something. Do you have transgressions? Do you have transgressions? If you have transgressions, type in yes. Type it in the chat. If you're on Facebook, type it in the chat. Do you have transgressions? Yes or no? Yep. Yep. No question about it. We got transgressions. Listen, listen, listen. It is painful to me to think about my transgressions. Have you thought about your transgression? I mean, think about it. I don't want you to think too long. I don't want you to get mad depressed. I, we have good news here, but I need you to understand what this text is saying. It says, blessed is he whose transgression is forgiven, whose sin is is covered think about it think about it all the stuff that you've done all the things that you've done the way that you've treated your spouse the way that you've treated your children the way that you've dealt with your co-worker the way that you church dealt with the church member you say but i andre i see what you're saying but i'm not that bad this statement is a self-deception statement Anybody that says they're not that bad is confused. And I know I I saw a post earlier today when somebody was like, you know what? You know, you know, for for self-development, you know, you don't want to talk negative about yourself. You don't want to, you, you, you don't want to walk around with guilt. Guess what? This is the beauty of the gospel. The beauty of the gospel is you embrace the wholeness of what you are. What is the wholeness that I am? I am everything that is bad. You say, Brother Waller, what do you mean? I mean exactly what I said. You see, I have to accept what the word declares about me, what the Bible declares about humanity, that we are corrupt from head to toe. There's nothing good inside of us of its natural self. There is only one good. His name is Jesus. And the beautiful part about this is he does not hold it against you because you're not good. Stay with me. Somebody's going to take it wrong. I'm like, Brother Waller said it's okay to be a sinner. It is because when you recognize that you're a sinner, it is there that God can do a miraculous thing in your heart and mind. When I use the word sinner, let me use a phrase that you may better understand. If we were to break this down, sin is the transgression of the law, right? The law is broken into 10 commandments, which really is broken into two. Love God and love your neighbor, okay? Love God and love your neighbor. Those are the two clear, distinctive components of the law of god love god and love your neighbor now when we're talking about loving god and loving our neighbor love god is our relationship with god and love the neighbor is our relationship with the brothers and sisters who is your neighbor remember they asked jesus that who is our neighbor so when we break down the idea of sin sin is anything that breaks relationship with God and relationship with our fellow man. Are you following? Do we use the word sin very broadly? Like sin, sin is break. Yes. Thou shalt not steal. Why you don't steal? Because it didn't belong to you. That's somebody else's. That's a relationship. Thou should not covet. Why shouldn't you covet? Because that belongs to somebody else. That's a relationship. Thou should not commit adultery. Why do you not do that? Because it's a part of a relationship thou should not have any other gods before me why is that because that's a relationship so when we're talking about sin sin is the transgression of the law yes but sin is the breaking of relationships and anything that causes the breaking of relationship outside of the will of God is a sin well, somebody says I remember one time a long time ago like before I was married and I was dating this girl and we went to uh, Blockbuster Video. I don't know if you guys know what Blockbuster Video is, but back in the day, there was a Blockbuster Video. And uh, so we went to the Blockbuster Video, and there was a movie she wanted to get, and it wasn't my, it wasn't my speed. It wasn't something I would normally watch. It was, not, it was like, nah, that was not a good movie to watch. <laughs> and the girl pinned me up against the wall, she, and she said with her, her woman seductive way, she was like, if you love me, then we'll watch this movie i was like at that time i wasn't that smart and i was like sure we watched the movie it was trash but do you understand the idea that the relationship she was saying if you love me you were going to do this but in breaking my relationship with god there was no way i can stay in relationship with her you follow what i'm saying so there are some things that it seems like we're in good relation but in reality we're breaking god's law so we can't be in good relation. So when I read and I put back on the screen, um, I'm hoping this is making sense. When I put it back on the screen, I say this. Blessed is he whose transgression is forgiven, whose sin is covered. Blessed is the man unto whom the Lord impute of not iniquity. In other words, he doesn't lay it on him in whose spirit there is no guile. My friend, I do want you to take some time, meditate on this. You want to get a lesson guide later in the week. Go through the the verses, apply them to you. Have you received received forgiveness for the transgressions that you know that you've done? And when I say, have you received it? In other words, it's almost like God's offering it to you. Have you taken it? You know what I'm saying? It's like he has a million bucks in his hand. Are you taking it? Have you received forgiveness from God or are you punishing yourself for your sin? Are you declaring yourself unworthy to be in God's presence? Therefore, you remain away from God because you find yourself unworthy and you've fallen and you don't see your way out. Do you see yourself the way God sees you or are you looking with your own natural eye? You are not so fallen and so broken that God cannot heal. You are not so far away that God cannot bring you up. God is present and he is always ready to heal and he's always available to give you forgiveness. He's present, he covers your sin. He don't put you out on blast. It's not his objective. Not his intent. God loves us, brothers and sisters. And see, this is the hard part for us to to really believe, like to believe, believe. Because if I'm dealing with myself, I wouldn't love me. Disappointments after disappointments after disappointments, you start, start feeling away, start feeling away. Start feeling away. you start stop believing in yourself you start stop believing in people You start having an angst in your heart It starts it starts eating away and gnawing at you my friends But you have to believe what God declares about you. Don't believe what you declare about yourself Don't believe what that enemy that old that old serpent the devil says about about you This is from Psalms 51 verses 1 through 14 watch watch the prayer of this psalmist he it reads have mercy upon me oh god according to according to what thy loving kindness guess what it's not have mercy upon me oh god according to my goodness have mercy upon me oh god according to how well i ate today or how well i dressed. oh have mercy upon me oh god based on how good i've been to other people no 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 have mercy upon me oh god according to thy loving kindness according to the multitude of thy tender mercies blot out my transgressions huh this is the beauty and the power and the love of god beyond words that i could create beyond how i see myself beyond how you see me now watch these action words i i I wanted to highlight these action words i may have missed a couple but look at these action words it says for i acknowledge my transgressions how many of you tonight acknowledging your transgression how many of you tonight are going to say and be honest with god about how you have failed and you have failed over and over and over again for i acknowledge my transgression and my sin is ever before me it's present i see it now listen the way the world deals with sin and the way the world deals with guilt either a i blame somebody else I blame my circumstance if she hadn't said such and such to me then i wouldn't have done such and such and such if i wasn't born in this situation then i wouldn't be like xyz right but but i acknowledge my transgression my sin is ever before me so how is the christian to be, to deal with it here's what it says this is the believer going to god for it purge me with hyssop and i shall be clean why why god purge me with hyssop because what i will do as a as a sinner is, I would try to drown it out. I'll I'll watch a bunch of movies. I'll drink a bunch of alcohol. I'll smoke some weed. I'll go have sex with whomever I want to have sex with. I'll do whatever I want to do because I'm trying to deal with my uncleanness and drowning out. But as I'm drowning it out, what am I doing? I'm adding and compounding to my sin. Purge him with hyssop, and I shall be clean. Wash me and I shall be whiter than snow. Create in me a clean heart, O God, and renew a right spirit within me. You know, another way that we do this? I'll tell you another way that we try to clean ourselves. We try to clean ourselves by doing right things going to church, preaching sermons, giving Bible studies, doing medical missionary work. These can be fig leaves as well, my friend. Are you following? these can be fig leaves as well these can be superficial fixings to a heart problem go to jesus purge me with bishop wash me create in me a clean heart renew a right spirit within me don't cast me away from thy presence take not thy holy spirit from me restore unto me the joy of thy salvation now my friends if something has to be restored that means it was lost Huh? So salvation, the feeling of being safe with God, the the peace that comes with being right with God, that can be taken away, that can be done away with. And when it is, please know the hope that's in the text, it can be restored. Your love for God can be restored. Your love for Bible study can be restored. Your love for people can be restored, no matter how jaded you might start feeling. Are you following? You see, my friends, I wanna remove the clutter by God's grace, remove the clutter of activity and come to the heart of the matter. Have we made right with God? Have we been made right with him? These are action words, purge, wash, create, renew, cast me not away, take not the Holy Spirit from me. Restore, uphold, deliver me from blood guiltiness, oh God. Can you imagine? A, listen, look, brothers and sisters, this is a murderer talking. This is a murderer's prayer. He killed somebody. Deliver me from blood guiltiness, oh God, thou God of my salvation. You mean you can kill somebody? And if you're still alive, you have breath in your in your nostrils. God can still forgive, and He can still restore, and He can still build you back up. The answer is yes, brother Andre. I I've been in the church all these years, and I've had this this addiction, whether it be alcohol or pornography or 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 just straight up arrogance and pride. All these years, I've hated everybody I've been with in church. They've all backstabbed me. You're saying, Brother Andre, that God can restore and deliver me? Yes. Yes, he can. You see, you would think, and I would think, that God would be repulsed by sinners. But it actually gets his attention. You know, where, where it says, where sin abounds, grace much more abounds hmm it's imperative my friends that you and I understand to be clean is a supernatural work a supernatural work not a superficial work hmm Steps of Christ, page 25, paragraph three says, a repentance such as this is beyond the reach of our own power to accomplish. A repentance such as this is beyond the reach of our own power to accomplish. It is obtained only from Christ. He who ascended up on high and has given gifts unto men repentance comes from above you and i don't have it naturally it is not something that you can conjure up it's something that he must put inside of you except to so christ page 26 paragraph one says they think that they cannot come to christ unless they first repent And that repentance prepares for the forgiveness of their sins. So, Listen, listen to this. It is true that repentance does precede the forgiveness of sins. So it's true. Repentance does precede, but you don't have to repent to come to Christ. <laughs> Are you following? So here's your condition. I messed up. My life is messed up. All sorts of things in my life are messed up. Everything's all confused. I've done all these bad things, all these bad things I've ever done, and guess what? He's still there. It's unlike how we have been raised at times. Approval and disapproval. Approval and disapproval. And because we've been raised with approval and disapproval to a certain extent, we think God does the same thing. Does he approve? Yes. Does he disapprove? Yes. But first, what does he do? Come unto me, all ye that labor and are heavy laden. And I will give you rest. I disapprove, but you're still, you're still a part of me. I'm not happy with what you've done, but you're still a part of me. I still love you. I don't like what you did, but I still love you. They think that they cannot come to Christ unless they first repent and that repentance prepares for the forgiveness of their sins. It is true that repentance does precede the forgiveness of sins, but it does not hinder you from first coming. In fact, my friends, I'll tell you a secret. He actually comes to you first. He's actually chasing you down. Go to Matthew chapter 11 verse 28. Matthew 11 in verse 28 notice what the bible says it's very clear the bible says come unto me all ye that labor and are heavy laden and i will give you rest that's a promise if you're laboring and heavy laden he promises he's going to give you rest that's his word not yours that's his word not mine so you can put your weight on that promise are you uncomfortable right now? Are you this? Are, are you burdened under the guilt of sin? Is there something in your past that you have not yet given to him? I'm telling you, friends, come. Come. You say, Brother Andre, I know these things already. I'm glad you do. I hope by God's grace that you are applying said things. Right now, the world is not seeing Christianity right now the world is in trouble homes are in trouble right it's imperative my friends that we apply what we know in Acts chapter 5 and verse 31 the Bible says him have God exalted with his right hand to be a prince and a savior to give repentance to Israel and forgiveness of sins do you get that? To forgive, to give repentance to Israel, and forgiveness of sin. So repentance is what given, not something you own, not something you that's not that's it's not something that you 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 have. Yes, yeah, sister, sister, sister Dana, no problem. So it's not something that you have. It's something that is given to you just like forgiveness is given to you are you following what i'm saying it's something that is a gift from god so in order to receive the gift you have to receive the person in order to receive the gift you have to receive the person who's the person jesus steps of christ page 26 paragraph 2 says we cannot more repent we can no more repent without the spirit of Christ to awaken the conscience than we can be pardoned without Christ. So here's the, here's, the, here's the question. Here's the question to you. Here's the question. Can you forgive your sins to the extent that Jesus can forgive your sins? The answer is, of course not just as you cannot forgive your sins to the extent that God can forgive your sins, so it is that you cannot repent unless he gives it to you. Hmm. Repentance is a gift. So the sorrow for sin and the turning away from sin is a gift. How do we receive the gift? You have to receive the person. The Bible says every good gift And every perfect gift comes from above and cometh down from the Father of lights, of whom there is no variableness, neither shadow of turning. So every good gift comes from God. So if I want love, I must go to the one that loves. If I need goodness, I must go to the one that has goodness. If I need repentance, as every other gift that's given, it is a gift from Jesus himself. From Jesus himself. You and I must receive a gift. I want you to go to, to John chapter 12, verse 32. John 12, John chapter 12 and verse 32. John chapter 12 and verse 32. And notice what the Bible says. This is Jesus himself. Remember, I told you now, if you're going to receive the gift of repentance, you have to receive the person of Christ. John 12, 32, the Bible says, and I, if I be lifted up from the earth, will draw all men unto me. So as one is drawn, reforms can take place without being fully aware as to what is happening. So in other words, there are people that are not Christians who are drawn to goodness. They're drawn to doing good things. They do good things for people all around. They don't know that it's the goodness of God that's doing this through them. But as they become more aware of it, right, as the life keeps going on, God begins to reveal himself. But you and I have no, humanity has no goodness in them for us to say, you know, I'm a good person. We're going to make it, you know, it is a a sophistry that the, the enemy has played us with. Like, we want goodness all the way through we don't just i don't want just part goodness Uh, let me ask you and maybe maybe you can answer this in the chat or something if there was one thing that you could change about your character you don't have to type it in the chat if you don't want to but if you wanted to if there's one thing you could change about your character what would the one thing be? What would, what would that one thing be? If you, if you could change one thing. One thing, anything. Consistency. Yeah, I like that. Consistency is big. Cuz I know I get fired up for a minute. Be more loving. Yep, that's huge patience yep that's a good one tiara patience get rid of bitterness yeah man folks do us dirty and man it listen i understand that one my tongue yeah that tongue is a little little fire it's a little fire it's a little fire now everything that you guys put there the things that you're thinking in your mind Here's the beautiful part. You don't have to create the solution to the problem. The temper, that's right. You don't have to create the solution to that problem. You all you have to do, patience, that's right, is go to the source. Go to the source. Sit at the feet of Jesus. Spend time in his presence. And I say spend time in his presence. I'm, I mean more than just get up in the morning and start reading your Bible real fast. Then Jesus, six days before the Passover, came to Bethany, where Lazarus was, which, which was dead, whom he raised from the dead. And then you have your Sabbath school lesson. You start going through your Sabbath school lesson. you just reading through the Sabbath school lesson. OK, 30 minutes. I'm done. Now, that type of Christianity is not going to work for you. So what do you want to do? Let's say you have a temper problem. Let's say you want to be more long-suffering people. Listen, long-suffering is a gift. (laughs) Because what's happening, it says long-suffering and is kind. Can you imagine that? It means, if I say it the regular English way, because long-suffering is like King James language, but if you say it regular English, long-suffering means suffering long. And then it adds the caveat, and is kind. Mm. apathy that's a that's a that's a, that's a serious that's serious the apathy is a that's a tough one because it's, it's one of the hardest things to break out of is apathy so here here it is my friends if we're going to have victory over our bitterness patience uh uh, 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 uh consistency if we're going to have more love towards people if we're if we're going to overcome our apathy we have to press in to jesus and i'm telling i'm when i say press in i mean like on purpose intentional i'm not leaving this room until i know that i've had my feel with him we have to press in and the beautiful part is as you behold him that which is uncouth unclean begins to be washed away I want to read stuff to Christ here. says, uh, what is sin that it should require such a sacrifice for the redemption of its victims? Think about the statement. What is sin that it should require such a sacrifice for the redemption of its victim? Was all this love, all this suffering, all this humiliation demanded that we might not perish but have everlasting life? Hold on. So let's let's let's. I want to pause for a moment. I want you to think about, let's say, the weakness that you just presented on the screen. My my thing is, one of one of the things I I want to change about me, that I want God to work on me with. I want to learn to love people all the way through. I don't want it to ever run out. Because there's times which it just feels like it runs out just runs out and it gets to the point of point of what my sister put there apathy it just whatever (laughs) i don't ever want to run out but the reason why i want to focus on this is this we don't see sin the way it really is because when you look at calvary and you look at this person dying on the cross And you look at it and you say, is all that really necessary? I mean, if I steal a a cookie from the cookie jar, is that death on the cross necessary in order to save me because I stole a cookie from the cookie jar? I remember the first time I stole something. I felt so guilty, like super, super, super guilty. I was a younger lad, and I had gone into the the store and then back in the day there was no cameras in these stores it was over there in and springs one of the other adventist meccas and i went into the store and i slipped the uh baseball cards into my coat sleeve now and the strange thing is i ain't never seen nobody in my family steal anything nobody's ever stole anything it was just i slipped it in there because i couldn't afford any cards or anything at the time and i remember feeling so guilty but I'm saying to myself, "Does is Jesus going to die for me stealing the baseball cards? I'm, I'm talking about the magnitude of what sin cost. We look at that as a small thing. It's not small in God's eyes. It's a corruption that's in our hearts. And I'm using that as my example. I I know if I were to get you guys, put your brains on the screen, we'd be in trouble. (laughs) Right? I see that as a small thing. So when I look at Calvary, I don't really appreciate it the way I should because I don't understand the depth by which all this, what it all really means. Jesus died because you stole that, that cookie the other day. Yeah. So now the question would be, Lord, what is it that breaks your heart so much? that causes the results to be so deep. And that, and asking that question, he's gonna open our eyes. I'm not saying he's gonna do that right now while while we're talking to each other. He's gonna do that in your private time with him. And as he opens our eyes, then we start seeing why, why it costs so much. Why it costs so much. You know, if you go to a store and, uh, I remember looking at some items in these antique stores, and you walk in there, and it looks like to me it's just trash. You know, it's like I don't, I'm not interested in in these little antiques. Somebody else looks at these antiques, and it's a ten thousand dollar piece. I'm like, why is that ten thousand dollars? Oh, the reason why it's ten thousand dollars is because Napoleon had it over here in this bunker in this hill. It's like, oh, okay. I see that the value is based on the context of the use. So when I look at sin and I see sin costs Calvary, then I look at the sin again, I say, okay, well, sin's really not worth it. Because I don't understand the magnitude of it doesn't mean that it doesn't have magnitude. I hope that's making sense. What is sin that it should require such a sacrifice for the redemption of his victim? Was all this love, all this suffering, all this humiliation demanded that we might not perish, but have everlasting life? The sinner may resist this love, may refuse to be drawn to Christ, but if he does not resist, here's my, this is my plea to you, right? Me and you. If he does not resist, he will be drawn to Jesus. A knowledge of the plan of salvation will lead him to the foot of the cross in repentance for his sins. What what will lead him to the foot of the cross? What will lead him to the foot of the cross? A knowledge of the plan of salvation. Oh, this will lead him to the foot of the cross in repentance. What did we say repentance was? A gift. So now, my friends, here is in an equation. I must gain a knowledge of the plan of salvation. And as I gain a knowledge of the plan of salvation, I'm going to be led to a place of repentance. Why? Because in the knowledge of the plan of redemption comes the knowledge of the love of God. And that breaks my heart. It begins to break my heart. Okay, I get it. I see. A knowledge of the plan of salvation will lead him to the foot of the cross in repentance for his sins, which have caused the sufferings of God's dear son. Mm. Deep. So do we have a knowledge? Do we have an experiential knowledge where we take our sin? and we take it to the cross, is it worth it? Is it worth it to destroy your whole family and your home? Is it worth it that you're eating that thing right now and then you're gonna have to deal with the consequences later? Like, is it worth it? Gotta count the costs. Gotta count the costs. Is it worth it, my friends? I want you right now. I I literally, I just want you to think about: Is it worth it? Whatever that sin is, is it worth it? Now, don't be upset if right now you don't feel anything, (laughs) because this is a, a a practical thing, and like we we are learning to love God. We don't just wake up one day and love God. This is a learning process. And does he hold it against us because we don't love him right away? No, that's not how this works. It's a relationship. He's working on us, we're working with him. But the quicker we yield to the reality of what the word declares about our relationship with him, the better our experience with him will be, the better our walk with God will be, the more peaceful our experience will be with God if we yield and not resist his drawing love. So here's a question. Are you resisting his love? Are you resisting his wooing? Are you resisting it? I suggest don't resist. I say give in, to say, hey, Lord, if you wanna love me, love me. <laughs> Lord, if you wanna save me, save me. You see what I am? You see what I need to be? Please give me a love for truth, a love for you, a love for people. And the more you spend time with him, the more he'll give to you what you don't naturally have. Revelation twenty-two seventeen 17 says, and the spirit and the bride say, come, come. And let him that say, come, and let him that is a thirst come. And whosoever will, let him take the water of life freely. Oh, I wish I had a water bottle. I don't have my water bottle with me. I would take a drink of water right now because I'm a little thirsty. When you're thirsty and you drink water, there's a satisfaction that comes with it. When you're hungry and you feed yourself, there's a satisfaction that comes with it. If you're in sin and you're in separation from God and from your brother and sister, there's a satisfaction to know that when you accept Christ, you are accepted and the beloved and no longer separated from him. By faith, you receive that and the feelings will follow. But you must accept it first by faith. Steps to Christ, page 29, paragraph one says one ray of the glory of God, one beam of the purity of Christ penetrating the soul makes every spot of defilement painfully distinct and lays bare the deformity and defects of the human character. It makes apparent the unhallowed desires, the infidelity of the heart, the impurity of the lips. The sinner's acts of disloyalty and making void the law of God are exposed in, to his sight, and his spirit is stricken and afflicted under the searching influence of the Spirit of God. He loathes himself as he views the pure, spotless character of Christ. I am, I'm, I'm taking you through the stages. You see, when you are in the presence of God, the light of God penetrates and reveals the reality of your condition is present. You can't hide from that. I can't hide from that. It is not always a good feeling. It's definitely not a good feeling. In Daniel chapter 10, verse 8, Daniel, when he encounters God, the Bible says that he, okay, actually, let's go there. I don't want to misquote it, but it talks about how he felt about himself when he was in the presence of God. Let me me read it to you. In daniel chapter 10 verse 8 i i just wanted to make sure that this was here it says therefore i was left alone this is daniel in the presence of god therefore i was left alone and saw this great vision and there remained no strength in me my comeliness was turned in me into corruption and i retained no strength what is he saying when i met god that which was good about me there was nothing left i was it was corrupt all i felt was corruption you see when you are in the presence of god that all that fake stuff that you was doing all that outward religiosity that you're doing all those things that you credit yourself as being a good person with all that begins to melt away and uncouthness uncleanness begins to present itself and your need becomes even more evident in the presence of god more evident not less evident I dare say, my friends, uh, the more time you spend in the presence of God, the more that you begin to realize and to see your great dependence upon him. Philippians 3, verse 6, the Bible says, concerning zeal, this is this is uh this is uh Paul, concerning zeal, persecuting the church, touching the righteousness which is in the law, he says he was blameless. <laughs> But what things were gained to me, those counted loss for Christ. Yea, doubtless, and I counted all things but loss for the excellency of the knowledge of Christ Jesus, my Lord, for whom I have suffered the loss of all things and do count them but dung that I may win Christ. What do you mean? My man is righteous Pharisee of all Pharisees and in his encounter with God, all that righteousness. Eh, no good. Don't count. Don't count. Nicodemus, when he meets Jesus, he feels himself a good man. He walks into the present. Oh, yes, Jesus, I, I'm a great teacher. Jesus cuts to the chase. Hey, guess what, my man? You got to be born again. What do you mean I have to be born again? You must be born of the spirit and of the water. Are you a teacher in Israel? You don't know this? That you must be born again? You must be born again. I must be born again. I cannot walk around here like I'm a good guy. I'm not. You can't walk around here like you're a good person. You're not. Any goodness that appears in your life is because the most high is working that in you. Any love that you have for your grandbabies, that's because the most high is doing that in you. Any love that you have for your spouse is because the most high is working that out through you. And the more we begin to rely upon that reality, the more we'll be more loving consistently. But you cannot consistently love God or man if you don't understand that you are simply a conduit and a broken conduit at that, that God can use to impact and change lives. Somebody says, if I'm not doing it, then if I'm not good and God's doing it through me, what good do I have? Listen, you ever seen somebody play the piano? like if you ask me to play the piano and i get on the piano i start playing you're gonna be like that that that's horrible that is that is absolutely that brother needs to stop it (laughs) that's what you would say but if if my friend the peters got on the piano he can't even he can't really see and he starts playing that piano and he starts that piano sounds gorgeous now i was playing the piano first Piano didn't sound like it had any good tunes at all. You see, the one that is in control of the keys is what makes the instrument sound good. You are the instrument, God is the keyboardist. You are the clay, God is the potter. He must work in you and you don't need to work him. Hmm. Ah, we need to finish. We need to finish. It says not all sin is equal, but there are no small sins. Please keep this in mind. In fact, I'm going to shift some paradigms by God's grace. There are no small sins. All sin is bad, but not all sin is equal. Me stealing something from the store with the with the baseball cards and somebody going in and murdering somebody, there's there's levels to this. But all sin, no matter how small, is worthy of death. But here I want to dispel some misnomers. I want you to see something. Romans chapter seven, and verse nine. Go to Romans chapter seven, look at verse number nine. Watch this. And I hope, I hope it's okay, friends. We're 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 studying because I, I want to be saved. I want to be saved. I want you saved. I want everybody around me saved. I know everybody's not going to be saved. I know that. I I know everyone's not going to be, because not everybody wants to not everybody wants to respond to the love of God. Not everybody wants to respond to the reality of their true condition. Not everybody wants to yield to God. I get that. There are times when I don't want to yield to God. But I want to be saved. But wanting to be saved and being saved are two different things. Wanting to be in love with Jesus and being in love with Jesus two different things. We must learn to love him. So here it is. Watch Romans chapter seven, verse number nine. The Bible says, for I was alive without the law once. But when the commandment came, sin revived and I died. What does that mean? So before God's commandments was clear in your mind that you knew what was right and wrong, there are some things that you weren't so sure about and you were just living life. You were having a great time. You know, just, you're know, just out there doing what you're doing. And then one day the law of God appeared. Somehow a preacher preached or you were reading in your Bible or you came across a book or you saw somebody demonstrating what the law, wasn't, law of God was in their life and you were convicted. You were convicted about what was wrong and what was right. You were convicted. And the law does that, the law convicts. That's all its job is, is to convict. It does not convert. The law simply convicts. And when you're convicted, then you have to feel like there's something you gotta do. I gotta gotta fix this, I gotta fix that. You are convicted, but not converted. Conviction is not conversion. Conversion is the transformation of the heart. Conviction is the awareness of your condition. I gotta change, something's not right. Within religiosity now, within Christianity, there is a misnomer. That the drunkard and the adulteress and the liar and the thief, these are the most horrible persons. But the gossiper and the prideful and the selfish and the covetousness, these persons are not looked upon as so bad because their deeds are not necessarily seen as negative or bad. For instance, I'll give you an example. Again, I'm challenging you as a believer. For instance, you let's just say, let's take the idea of money for a second. And let's just say for a moment that you uh, gave the largest donation ever to your church. It could be a million bucks. And you gave the million dollars, but you gave it not because you really cared so much about the impact of the million dollars impacting the multitude of souls, but you're more so interested in how everybody says, you know what, you're such a nice person, you know, you're you're so liberal and you're so kind and you you do all these nice things for everyone. And when you begin to take in this this uh, praise from man, it begins to build pride. So now you're giving not because you actually love, you're giving so you can receive the praise of men and women now, or or it might be that you are a great preacher and you preach well and everybody comes and tells you, you know what that was a great sermon, man that was amazing and then it starts going to your head, right you start going to your head and as it goes to your head, you start getting proud. Do you know that pride is worse than being a drunkard on the street? The outward action of drunkardness? selfishness, the undergirding of all bad behavior, pride, selfishness, covetousness, these sins are especially offensive to God, especially offensive to God. Be careful how we grade sin, all sin is bad, but the sin that is most pernicious, the sin that is is most deadly is the one that doesn't appear sinful it looks like righteous behavior but has bad intentions and bad motives and the thing is about those sometimes we don't even recognize it in and of ourselves there's only one way to know and that's the knowledge of christ that's the only way to know the true condition of the heart that's it Steps of christ page 30 paragraph one says he who falls into some of the grosser sins may feel a sense of his shame and poverty and his need of the grace of christ but pride feels No need. And so it closes the heart against Christ and the infinite blessing he came to give. I'll read that last part again. Pride feels no need. How badly do you feel your need for Jesus, friends? I mean, how deeply does it grab you? I tell you the truth for myself. It doesn't grab me deep enough yet. I need a deeper grabbing it's like if you ever never know how to swim if you never knew how to i didn't i still don't know how to swim beloved so please don't throw me in any water but if you don't know how to swim you don't just jump in the water Now you might have some ignorant folks that just do that you know what i'm saying but if you know you don't know how to swim you hold on to that edge you know what i'm saying like that little floaty device i'm all on that floaty device i'm not You you ain't taking that from me you know why Because if you take it from me, I'm going to (laughs) drown. I'm not interested in drowning. Not today. Right? So I'm going to hold on to that floaty device. I'm going to hold on to the edge. I'll kick my legs, right? But I'm not letting go because I know that of my natural self, I'm going down. This should be the same mindset for the believer. I'm not letting go of Jesus. If I let go of him for a moment, I'm going down. Listen, my friends, I say that even while you're in your sin, I say don't let go of Jesus. He will deliver you. Don't give up. He will deliver you. Trust him. Put your full weight on him. You're not too heavy. (laughs) He can bear you. That's right. Classic Pharisee and publican. That's right. In fact, that's exactly where we're going to go. We're not going to turn there, but you can look there in, in Luke chapter 18, verse 13, where the publican feels his need of Christ, where he says, Father, be merciful unto me, a sinner, where the Pharisee cries out and says, Oh, I'm so glad I'm not like that transgender. Oh, I'm so happy I'm not like that homosexual. Oh, I'm so happy I'm not like the apostates in the church. Oh, I'm so happy I'm not like, the list can go on. My emphasis to you today is don't wait to be better, just go to him. Don't wait to fix yourself, just come to him. And mind you, it's, it's funny because you're coming to him, he's already there, his arms are already outstretched, he's already present, but he says, come broken and tattered, worn, and one that doesn't even believe their own words, come to me, he says. Jeremiah, go to Jeremiah 13, go to Jeremiah chapter 13. Jeremiah chapter 13. And we're looking at verse 23. Jeremiah 13, 23, inspiration says, can an Ethiopian change his skin Or the leopard his spots, then may we, or then may we, or you also do good that are accustomed to do evil. If you can't change your spots or your skin, if if the leopard can't do that, the Ethiopian can't change, then what makes us think that I can change myself if I'm just disciplined enough? You can be disciplined enough and still be corrupt inside. That's where Christ wants to start his work, inside. Inside. The love and suffering and death of the Son of God all testify to the terrible enormity of sin and declare that there is no escape from its power, no hope of the higher life, but through the submission of the soul to Christ. There is no other way. So don't tell me I'm gonna stop drinking tonight. I'm gonna stop smoking. Don't tell me that. You can stop and still have a bad heart and corrupt mind. Christ wants your heart, friends. It's only through him, it's only meditating upon what he's done, it's only reading about his life, it's spending time in his word, it's letting that word transform you from the inside out. That is the only way, the only way. All right. I'll read this. I didn't want to read all these, but I'm, I'm going to read these to you and I'm going to, we're going to call it a, a day after, I think I have two more slides. It says the impenitent sometimes excuse themselves. And I, and I read this today early, actually yesterday, and I and I I found great peace with this. OK. And I, I found great peace with this because oftentimes because of your imperfections, you impact somebody else and then they start doing crazy stuff. And you're like you're feeling responsible for their crazy stuff. Right. And there there is a, a, a monicum of truth to that, but it's only a monicum. But here, listen to what this quote says. It says the impenitent sometimes excuse themselves by saying of professed Christians, I am as good as they are. They are no more self-denying, sober, or circumspect in their conduct than I am. They love pleasure and self-indulgence as well as I do. Thus, they make the faults of others an excuse for their own neglect of duty. Do you do that? Do you use the faults of others to justify your bad behavior? But the sins and defects of others do not excuse anyone, for the Lord has not given us an erring human pattern. Praise God, who's the pattern? Jesus Christ, perfect pattern. The spotless son of God has been given as our example and those who complain of the wrong course of professed Christians are the ones who should show better lives and nobler examples. If they have so high a conception of what a Christian should be, is not their own sin so much greater? They know what is right and yet refuse to do it. Wow. What a profound statement. So others' actions are not an excuse for me to do wrong. No, my friends, we all have an account and if you know to do good and don't do it to you, it is sin. If you know a Christian is supposed to behave a certain way and you know it and then you do something opposite, then you're responsible. What a powerful quotation. What a powerful thought. We are responsible for our own behavior. And in that responsibility, here's the benefit of the Christian though, the true Christian, not a professed Christian. The benefit of the true Christian is recognition of my need, going to the source, Jesus Christ, the righteous, spending time in his presence. And then he supernaturally does in us and gives us a gift of repentance that allows us to change from the inside out. From the inside out. So here's the, here's the warning. Here's the warning. Beware of procrastination. Do not put off the work. What's the work? Pressing in close to Jesus. That's the work. As you press in close to Jesus, he will reveal himself to you. We have a shortness of time and uncertainty of life. This is not a time to put off the work. And sin, however small it is, puts us in peril of eternal loss, my friends. What we do not overcome will overcome us. Consider the little fruit that Eve bit into. Consider the little fruit that Adam bit into. And now observe the condition of our present world. This is not something to be trifled with. Sin had a detrimental cost, sin caused the life of our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ. In order to atone for sin, Calvary stands as a memorial. Sin is not trivial. No matter how many jokes they they tell on TV about about sinful action activities, no matter how many movies they make about sinful acts and activities, as if it's just a joke or it's a game or it's just a movie to be entertained. No, my friend, sin is deadly. It destroys and it kills. And praise God that He's made a way of escape that you and I now can find salvation tonight in Jesus. Be careful, every act that we have has an impact. Every decision or neglect or rejection of the grace of Christ is reacting upon itself, reacting upon yourself. It is hardening the heart, depraving the will, benumbing the understanding, and not only making you less inclined to yield, but less capable of yielding to the tender pleading of God's Holy Spirit. Every time he pleads and every time we say no, our hearts become harder. Every time he pleads and every time we say no, our rebellion becomes more stiff. Every time he pleads and every time we say no, it becomes harder and harder until God has to do some type of supernatural wake up, shake a thing to make us snap out of it. But even then, it doesn't mean we'll snap out of it, my friends. Be careful, even now, in the little things. Don't trifle with it. His mercy is present. Even one wrong trait of character, one sinful desire persistently cherished will eventually neutralize all the power of the gospel. Come on, man. One cherished sin, my friend. Not 10, not 25, just one. Every sinful indulgence strengthens the soul's aversion to God. The man who manifests an infidel hardihood or a stolid indifference to divine truth is but reaping the harvest of that which he has himself sown, himself sown. In all the Bible, there is not a more fearful warning against trifling with evil than the words of the wise man that the sinner shall be holden with the cords of his sin. Mercy. That's right, Brother Kevin. For he saith... I have heard thee in a time accepted, and in the day of salvation have I succored thee. Behold, now is the accepted time. Behold, now is the day of salvation. Now, my friends, don't play with it, my friends. I'm trying to tell you. I'm pleading with you. Don't play with it. Don't play with it. Every time you do it, every time you break it, it gets harder and harder and harder. And trust me when I tell you, God ain't give up on you yet. But while you have the time, choose life now. Or you might wake up one day and be like, how did I get up over here? How did I get, how did I end up over here when I was over here with Jesus? Christ is ready to set us free, friends. He's ready to set us free today. Today, he's willing to set us free. Oh, my time is up. My time is up. My time is up. I do want to read. Uh, 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 in fact, you're gonna. Those of you who are watching, you're gonna have the lesson guide. If you are watching via Zoom, you have the lesson guide. If you are on Facebook, you don't have the lesson guide. So you want to make sure that you sh- you uh, register with me. Send me your email so I can send the lesson guide. You can direct message me. You can put it in the chat. I uh, was. We'll, I think I'll see it later. But you know, the lesson guides are gonna be there. Your your deliverance. Your your freedom is in the person of Jesus. And He's ready to set you free. He who is who 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 he makes free is free indeed. Uh uh man, I let me see. I'm gonna see how many I got left. Man, I got a lot left. Okay. Let's see. Okay. I wanna I want to give you some something practical here. Okay. I wanna I wanna make sure that you when you leave this study that you have something practical here it is so the devil's going to come to you my friends and he's going to tell you that you're a bad person and that you're super bad you're so bad you've done so you've done so much wrong that you have no right to god now you should hang it up right now and that you're the worst hypocrite that's ever come to the planet now everything i'm telling you my friends the devil's told me done his utmost to discourage me. I mean, not just me in my own head, but from outside. Folks coming and saying stuff to me, it's like, where is this coming from? And it's a bombardment, a bombardment, a bombardment. So I'm gonna give you practical steps when Satan comes to tell you you're no good. Here's what I want you to do. First and foremost, I want you to look up to your redeemer. I want you to look up to Calvary. I want you to look to what Jesus has done for you. He's already paid the price for every single solitary sin that you have ever committed and every, every sin that you will ever commit. He's already paid for it. And when you look at Calvary, once the devil comes and says, you're no good, you look to Calvary and you, say, and you look up and you say, and you start talking about what Jesus has done. You start talking about his marriage. You start talking about his goodness. You start talking about all the gratitude that you have for what has been done for you. And you look to the light of the Son of God. And I promise you, my friends, as the devil's trying to beat you down, as society starts to beat you down and as people start to try to remind you of your past you start looking to your redeemer you start talking of his goodness you start talking of his grace and the light of god will shine upon you now here's the reality you don't have to lie about your condition you can tell the truth i am messed up yes you are right enemy that i've done xyz you're right that i watched this and you are right that i did that you are right that i broke this relationship you are right that i did all these different things but guess what christ came to save folks like me come on man christ came to save somebody like me he came to save the darkest and the most wretched individual you tell that old slewfoot that jesus came to save someone like me and that you're saved not because you're good, but you're saved because of his Jesus matchless love. You tell that old slew foot these things and you tell him in the name of Jesus. I promise you, my friends, when you claim the word of God and you talk with the goodness of God and you claim the merits of God and you lean not to any good that you have in you, I promise you, peace will come upon you that passes all understanding. I say even this to you, my friends, even if you're in the midst of your sin and you begin to, to, and he begins to crush out your desire for God, you cry out to look up to your Redeemer. If you have that, that joint in your mouth, alcohol to your lips, you're looking where you shouldn't look, you're in a relationship you shouldn't be in. You look to your Redeemer because he came to save someone just like you, just like me. I can only imagine the woman that was caught in adultery caught in the very act. It wasn't like she wasn't in the act. It wasn't like she wasn't a sinner. And Jesus dealing with her as he did. Same way he deals with us, my friends. Steps to Christ page 35 paragraph four says, it is when we most fully comprehend the love of God, that we best realize the sinfulness of sin. You hear that? So naturally, when I look at sin, I'm not gonna see it as bad. But when I begin to behold the love of God, that's when sin becomes more dreadful and more horrible. So when I behold him, I begin to hate sin. It is when we most fully comprehend the love of God that we best realize the sinfulness of sin, when we see the length of the chain that, has, that was let down for us, when we understand something of the infinite sacrifice that Christ has made in our behalf, the heart is melted with tenderness and contrition. Oh. Now my friends, I look at this in two ways. I look at this first and foremost in how God treats me, right? He, he is desperate for me. But then the harder part is now this is where this is where whether whether or not I really believe the gospel. <laughs> the harder part is when someone has done something to me, do I accept the same conditions? that god has done for me do i apply the same conditions to them Hmm. you see that dynamic there i'm a christian i accept jesus dying for my sins all the dirt the damage all the stuff that he's he's accepting me and all the filth that i'm that i'm in okay i accept the gospel Now the gospel is required to be reflected in me. Am I going to reflect that same gospel to others? Hmm. And here's the reality. That if we cannot extend the same gospel to others that has been extended to us, Then we have never truly accepted the gospel in the first place. I'm going to let that sit. And when I realize that I don't have that, I didn't have that, then it forces me back to Calvary itself so I can remember the depths from which I myself have been saved. And if I can remember the depths of which I have been saved, then I cannot but help to extend, watch me now, the salvation that God has given to me and reflect that same salvation to someone else because I don't naturally have it. <laughs> I hope you're following. Like you and I don't naturally have it, it is a gift. And if I receive the gift, then I simply pass that gift on. Now the ministry of reconciliation has been given to us as it had been given to Jesus, but I can't give what I don't have. I can't give you a million dollars if I never had it in my pocket in the first place. I can't give love if I'd never had love and I can't forgive if I've never accepted forgiveness. Have you accepted forgiveness? Have you accepted Christ in you? Have you allowed him to change you from the inside out? Have you allowed him to take away your pain and your sorrow and your bitterness and your grief and your anxiety and your stress and your depression? If the answer is no, that's okay. That's why he says come. And don't try to fix yourself up before you come. Don't try to paint your face or do your hair or, or do your armpits. You know what I'm saying? Like, just come. And as you come, he will do for you what you cannot do for yourself. Praise God, Brother Kevin. My invitation is simple tonight. Let's spend some time with Jesus. After the recording, after the study is over, quiet time with the Lord. Draw near to him. And as you do that, he will do for you what you will never be able to do for yourself. Repentance is a gift given by the Most High. No sin is small, all sin causes death, and the greatest sins are the ones that are imperceptible, the ones that no one can actually see, pride, selfishness, covetousness. How many are willing, how many understood what we talked about tonight? If you understood, just say praise God. If you understood, type type it in the chat. If you understood what we talked about tonight, just type in praise God. Amen. Amen. Praise the Lord. You understood what we talked about. Let's type it in there. Amen. That's right. We don't deserve this gift, brother. That's right, Brother boy. We do not deserve this gift. I, so I'm going to challenge you on this holy sabbath i know you have probably a plethora of different things that you're going to be doing i'm gonna i'm gonna ask you i'm gonna encourage you take some time to be alone with god allow him through the holy spirit to walk you through your heart and your mind search me oh god show me my faults I ask you to do that, not because you can't walk through your heart and show the issues. You know what I'm saying? God has to do that. He has to point that out. He has to point that out. He has to point that out. Bro, you said all sin causes death. Oh, there's a sin that doesn't lead to death. Oh, yeah. So the verse that talks about sin not leading to death, that's the sin that you confess to God. That's the sin that doesn't lead to death. Right? The sin that is not confessed and not forsaken leads to death. The sin that does not lead to your death is the sin that you confess and you give back to God. Okay? So all sin leads to death. In fact, even if it's not your death that it causes, it's definitely the son of God that receives the death and the punishment uh, for, for sin itself. You're welcome, Diana. My friends, our time together is is complete. The study is finished. I do want to give opportunity if there's a question or if there's someone that wants to make a statement. Let me let me see something real quick. I'm going to stop sharing my screen. If you would like to make a statement, I can share my screen or stop sharing my screen and pull you on the platform. Are there any questions or any statement that you would like to make? If you'd like to make a statement, um, I can put you on. All right. I don't see any raised hands or anything. All right, my friends, let's have a word of prayer and close out. Father in heaven, we thank you so much for your love and mercy and the opportunity that we've had to open the Bible, to spend time in inspiration. Lord, you love us. You're going to do everything possible to save us. Please, Father. We pray with all of our hearts, all of our minds, all of our souls, don't let us have a religious experience and not have you. Please draw near to us that the things of this world will grow strangely dim. Father, please save our homes, our families. And more than anything else, Father, teach us How to love you the way you want us to love you. We pray these things in the name of Jesus and we claim the merits of his holy and most precious blood. Amen. Amen. All right, my friends, you have a wonderful evening. I do want to say podcast is recording live. So we're going to go ahead and probably put this up tomorrow. The podcast will be up tomorrow. Um, The lesson guides, I'm, I'm always trying to get them done by Sunday, but it seems like it's always pushing me to Wednesday. So look for the, the study guides here very soon. And uh, I appreciate you guys. Hopefully you guys are getting the emails and you're studying, you're praying and and you guys are welcome. Uh, I This does good for my own soul, believe it or not. And uh, I appreciate all of you coming out. And you guys have a wonderful Sabbath. Have a good evening and God bless you. This concludes another episode of The Gospelpreneur. Be sure to subscribe and share with your friends so we can all grow together. Until next time, be the abundance and be blessed.